Welcome to The Light Pod, brought to you by LightEye, a hub for ideas, education, and a little bit of entertainment when it comes to architectural lighting. I'm your host, Sam Corbel, and today we welcome back Gary Trott to the podcast. Gary was doing his own thing. He was working on a startup called Interplay Lighting last time we talked to him. But today, he's at Acuity Brands. He's the VP of Commercialization and Technology and is working on some pretty cool, innovative stuff. Gary, welcome back to the podcast. You don't quite have a goggle tan from skiing and Vail this weekend, so there must have been some good powder. How was it? Absolutely. It was perfect. We did have some powder days, a little bit of cloud, a little bit of sun, and everything in between. And it is great to be back here. It's hard to believe how much has changed in the years since we've talked last, <laughs> officially at least. Officially, we recorded a conversation last year on February 24th. February 24th, 2020, the world was looking up. You were going to launch a new business. You were going to go to education. That's right. There was a, a guy named Sam recording people out of borrowed conference rooms. And we're sitting in the Light Pod podcast studio today, and your startup is gone. But there's a good story behind where it went and how that's giving you an opportunity to do what you're doing today, which is so cool. And in case anybody wants proof that nobody could have predicted the future, this conversation is that in of itself. That's right. Gone sounds so final. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't say it's gone. It's still there. There's still a lot of the technologies and things we've created, but just in a different form. That's, that's true. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. The name is gone. The technology is alive. How's that? That's great. Right? That's great. And by the way, this facility is incredible that you've created here, both for the light pod and also the uh, light space. Thanks. I appreciate it. You mm -hmm. know? We're passionate about telling stories about lighting here. And what can I say? We're really lucky to have 2,000 square feet dedicated to doing just that and nothing else. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Before we dive into our conversation, if you haven't, Gary did two, two podcasts about 3D printing and his company Interplay. One of them's got Baby Yoda in the name. You can go listen to him after this. But in case you didn't get a chance to listen to those, Gary, tell everybody, who are you? And how'd you get your start in lighting? So yeah, I, what I love to do is I love to create new products, new lighting products of any sort. And, and my passion came from University of Colorado Boulder, 1990. I can't remember the exact time, but I walk into David Delora's classroom and, and that was the start of my journey and have been loving light ever since. You're one of those fortunate, as Barbara Horton calls them, accidental tourists when they show up for one reason or another out of nowhere. You are not an accidental tourist. You are ingrained into lighting at a at a very young age. Absolutely, yes. You've, you've been on quite a journey. You were at Acuity Brands for 14 years. You were at Cree. You left there, started your own company. Now you're back at Acuity. What would you say has been the highlight of all those career changes and what has it taught you leading up to where you're at to today? Gosh, there are so many highlights. It's really difficult to pull one out. If I think through the things that have gotten me the most excited and the most passionate it are, the, are the products and the things that really, you know, the products and things that really created new ground, things that hadn't been done before. And it, it just all the way through my career, it even started back with triple tube fluorescence. Nothing really exciting, but it was brand new and it made downlights look a whole lot better, you know? And so I could just, it's hard to pick just one. Probably the most meaningful one is the one that I'm involved with right now, which is helping commercialize UV disinfection technology. And, and because it has so much greater potential impact on the world than, you know, some of the projects I've done in the past, which saved a whole lot of energy and 
and made spaces look even more beautiful and created new forms and shapes. But this is pretty powerful stuff. I want to talk more about that and how I think light's becoming something more than, than just a way to deliver something in a space so that people can see. But before we talk about what's going on in terms of scaling and innovating on that level, let's back up just a little bit and let's talk about Interplay in, mm-hmm. in, in a year ago. Talked a little bit about what the next 18 months would be like, or maybe what you wanted it to be like. Recap that and, and just unpack how it all went terribly different <laughs> or better or betterly different. Betterly different, say. right. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it, I think it went great. I think it's amazing though, at that point, how wrong I completely was, but really who knew what the macro effect of was going to be with what was happening as really we've all experienced over the last year with this pandemic. At that point, I was very far into signing up reps and talking to a lot of customers and had a lot of amazing feedback on the commercial products that we were creating. And we were pumped for launching at Education, which then got canceled. And then these products that we were creating, which were so stunning visually, and you really needed to see in person, there was no real path I could see to where we could get it in front of people. Like even now, a year, it'd be very difficult for me to go see a designer with this product, right? And so that's when we pivoted and said, all right, well, we want to get this cool stuff out there. And so we pivoted to creating residential table lamps and pendants to start generating revenue, to start generating that revenue, but also to really show people what we're doing. And the great thing is, is that I started getting some unsolicited input or requests for, from OEMs or other lighting manufacturers. You know, we'd like to work with this technology. Can we talk? And so- And that technology was basically a 3D printed material that created a lampshade. That's right. So it was really creating luminous structures in ways that had never been seen before. Because what, what our whole idea was, was removing t- the constraints of traditional manufacturing and creating forms that you literally couldn't make before. And I think that's what got people's eyes, caught people's eyes were those unique forms. And so we started working with some of these manufacturers, reaching out to contacts I knew or the people had reached out to us and we're starting to have some success. And then one of the companies asked me a question that kind of stopped me completely and made me really rethink things. And what was that question? The question was, how do you feel about helping us commercialize UV test technology in a way that really makes it go big? Which is interesting because lampshades and luminous forms didn't really have a whole lot to do with UV technology, but that isn't necessarily what's important here. What's important is the ability to think about how to innovate and scale. You're going to do that with your UV technology products, but talk to me a little bit about how this new luminous form and this ability to manufacture was going to do that in a way that we might call somewhat disruptive innovation. Additive manufacturing, it really changes the way that you think about developing innovative products because the path from an idea to a complete product is a heck of a lot shorter. And for people who are innovative and creating new products, that's really liberating. And so that's what's so exciting to me about additive manufacturing and the work that we're starting to do with Acuity is that it allows you to innovate much more quickly and do things that haven't been done before. And I think where we are with additive manufacturing is right at the beginning stages where you have to start working with it to understand the power of it. And literally you have to design, think about design differently because you have to push away all of the traditional thinking you had related to design, which is around injection molded, extrusions and things like this, and release that constraint. So that's what really 
it, it removes those constraints and, and enables a lot more creativity. And I think what's interesting is you looked at all of that. Mm-hmm. There's massive companies out there. There's lighting companies all over the place, yet none of them are doing this. What made you say, I'm going to go do this on my own? Or maybe the bigger question is, why weren't other companies investing in this? But then all of a sudden, they did. Mm-hmm. So I think what drove me to do that was really studying the technology and seeing the level of quality that you could get for a printer that, for an industrial grade printer, was in the multi thousands of dollars instead of quarters of a million. So it's the typical technology adoption. The performance gets better, the price gets less, and it ultimately gets to a point where it just makes sense. I mean, talk to me a little bit about the innovator's dilemma here with all this too, right? There's the opportunity to innovate or there's the opportunity to sustain. Mm -hmm. And big companies, generally speaking, in our industry have done a lot of sustaining innovation with some new product introduction over time. But the smaller, more agile companies have been more set up to just quickly create something Mm -hmm. from the standpoint of Maybe they don't have anything to lose. Maybe the company is just starting. So they've got to do something different to catch people's eyes. Mm-hmm. I want you to tell me. Yeah. So the innovator's dilemma is a real thing. And you experience in companies because what happens is, is that the innovations that are more sustaining within a category where you're making something better and maybe extending on a leadership position, those are more easily justified because you can predict what sort of results you get. Something like additive manufacturing is a little bit more of a risk because there isn't an existing market that you can necessarily point to. You can kind of say, hey, this kind of plays in that category, but ultimately somebody has to make a leap of faith. And that's what I did with Interplay Lighting is that, yeah, I see the potential of this in the future and I'm going to make a bet on that. And companies like Acuity, there's plenty of sustaining engineering going on, but there's also the more innovative engineering, especially from some of the, from our smaller architectural brands. Really, that is what drives a lot of what they do. You know, you said something interesting there. There's a lot of sustaining innovation, but there's also a lot of that new innovation in the architectural brands. Mm -hmm. Architectural is almost the low-hanging fruit for creating beauty, creating something that looks totally whack job crazy, different, attractive. It can really grab somebody's attention. Mm -hmm. But who's to say you can't do something truly innovative with all that in mind and something that maybe isn't quite as architectural? I mean. Exit signs, two by fours, Mm -hmm. strip lights. These are all super practical light fixtures. They're still embracing these traditional form factors, for lack of a better term. Obviously, the ACT, the ceiling systems that are used all over the world are are a big driver in this. But what can lighting do, you know, to the tune of interplay lighting and thinking about additive manufacturing to really shake things up or really think about how we can innovate past that and use the power of a bigger company with distribution and reps and revenue and manufacturing capabilities like Acuity to scale that. Mm -hmm. It is definitely a lot more straightforward and obvious to innovate with architectural brands. There's no doubt about it. That's what drives leadership there. There are several examples that we can use of innovations within the bigger, let's just call it more commercial space, where there has been big impact. Acuity has done that in the past, way back in in history with the RT5 that created the first really volumetric lighting way back in the day. And, And I would say that right now, 
UV disinfection as an opportunity to do that as well, to, to innovate, create some innovation and something new, a new type of product or approach that both delivers white light and UV disinfection and can scale it. And so I'd say in, in the near term, that's one that I see as a real opportunity for innovation kind of beyond or in the higher volume part of the lighting industry. Mm-hmm. I know you're a creator and you like to create things. When you look across the ability to to take a, a new concept like additive manufacturing and apply it to the traditional form factors, is there a parallel? Is there something that metaphorically is in line with something super innovative and something super traditional that it comes together that really does let that thing like UV technology come to life? So I think what you can do with additive manufacturing for your more traditional form factors and things are, are really more modifications or tweaks to those, maybe making it easier to use or integrate better into architecture, or maybe you need a 37.6 degree angle as opposed to something that might be already in a catalog. So, or just a unique aesthetic that could be applied to it to make it look different. But not necessarily something to reshape the way a troffer is created because it will be a long time before additive manufacturing can be more efficient than, than what's already being done. Than punching and bending steel. Exactly. Yeah, and making mm-hmm. the two-by-twos and two-by-fours. I mean, someone like Acuity, I've got to imagine, is making 10,000 of these things a day. 3D printing's not quite there yeah, yet. That's right. But it's going to get there. I tell you what, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dive in to what that pivot from your residential and your OEM to selling it into Interplay, basically set up for you and your team at Acuity to think about how to take that newfound approach of your small business and apply technology across a broad range to commercialize and scale things to truly make an impact. Sound good? Sounds great. Hey, it's Sam. Real quick. This podcast is sponsored by LightEye, a hub for ideas, education, and entertainment when it comes to architectural lighting. Check them out at lytei.com. And welcome back. Over the break, Gary and I were catching up a little bit more. We were talking about 3D printing. We were talking about commercialization. We were talking about technology, innovation, scaling. There's a lot of big words there. There's a lot of words that we could probably just talk about in their own independent sense. But Gary, talk to me just a little bit more about what it means to take innovation with new manufacturing capabilities and put that behind these traditional form factors or, you know, what somebody like an Acuity Brands does a really good job of producing in mass quantities every day, but scaling that innovation quickly across those platforms. Sure. It's been a very interesting process to introduce additive manufacturing as a way to go to market into Acuity. And a lot of the discussions have been so interesting because it's so different than what people typically think of. Because it's just not the way that you design lights. You design it for everything is, I'm going to make it so I can do tens of thousands a month, as you mentioned earlier. And so, but there are the right spots now where we're beginning to see that, I'm beginning to get the folks at the company to see where additive manufacturing makes such a big difference, where you can move faster you can have greater variety. You can be more responsive to customers and what their needs are. And, and we're just getting started with that. I'm really exciting with, with where that's going and those capabilities that are 
you know, going to eventually be available. You know, but right now, frankly, the it was a lot easier for me as interplay lighting, making just a few a few lights here or there. I mean, you, you know, were I got one sitting behind me. You were making right. table lamps. We're making table lamps, making pendants, and it's a whole other thing when you have to scale it to a company as big as Acuity. You can't just throw it out there, right? So we're in the process of it. You'll there'll be some stuff you'll be seeing in the future about that. You said something interesting. You can't just throw it out there when you're Acuity. Well, there's a few reasons for that. One, it's a public company; they got to make the right decisions. But two, there's a trust. There's a value add to a company that's been around over a hundred years, like Acuity. They want to do things right, mm-hmm. right? I know that everybody has struggled. Every lighting manufacturer struggled over the last ten years to do everything right, and LED is a big part of that. And mm-hmm. learning about power factors and drivers and LEDs and PCBs and bringing stuff in-house that was normally out of house. It's been really, really tough. But when you look at acuity brands, when you look at, let's just say big companies versus small companies, right? It's important that they do the right things. It's important that you really take the time to research Mm -hmm. and develop. Yet the market wants you to do that in four months, in three weeks. Can something like additive manufacturing help speed up that process? Or is it something like additive manufacturing really just helps us iterate once it's once the product's out there? I think you can do both. And it really depends on the product category and what you're doing. And really this whole thing about throwing it out there, I think the other issue is, is that you need to make sure that you have the adequate infrastructure to support it. So if you look at acuity and the channels and, and how, how large we are, the chance for getting significant volume quickly is a l- much greater than it was with me as little in interplay, interplay lighting, sure, right? Sure. So there's definitely the need to have the printers and, and things to be able to make that happen as well. We are still in the early stages. And I would say that most of what you're going to see with additive manufacturing in the near term is, is not going to be for everything. It'd be more for something more decorative, something that light might be passing through it, kind of a unique diffuser or a unique luminous structure that could tie into the look you're trying to achieve in a space. Different scales could be uh, optimized towards that, but it's really, it's not necessarily there for everything. And so if you have a project where let's just say there's a certain look that you're trying to get and maybe you can't get it from any of the manufacturers you normally utilize, that might be a perfect example of an opportunity you could go pursue and say, hey, I have a vision of this, sketch it out, take a look at it, and, and someone could take a look at it and maybe create something for that. That's what we were doing at Interplay Lighting was create, we were creating forms that were very specific for a particular project. Mm-hmm. Creating, creating forms is good. Creating troffers is good. Creating completely new and different products that don't exist today are also something that I think everybody in, in the industry wants and craves. Mm-hmm. Not really even the lighting industry. I mean, every mm-hmm. general architecture vision, I mean, people are, people are drawn lines on paper. And saying, make that a light. Mm-hmm. How do you see all of this when you think about what it takes to not only innovate, but scale it as a realistic opportunity? Mm-hmm. I feel like over time, designers have gotten used to not having the ability to customize or create products that really fit. They're just used to taking products that, okay, here's this product that's close enough, but I'll just pop it in there. We have the experience with, we have a team that does custom luminaires, where we're known a custom team. And so customers do come to them with ideas, but they tend to come to us with really big landmark opportunities. And so that's what I think customization has been in the past. It has to be something special, something big. What I see the potential for additive manufacturing is, is you can bring that 
what's the word I'm looking for? You can bring that threshold for being able to create something that's more customized down to something that's much more reasonable so that you can have a product that is that fits your vision, but you don't have to have 20,000 of them. And that's where I think the power of additive manufacturing is, is really bringing that potential for mass customization to designers so that they can create projects that more fully fulfill their vision. I mean, there's a lot of conversation in lighting design around, should we show the light or the light fixture, Mm -hmm. right? Should we show the light or should we show the luminaire? And a lot of people say, you know, it's like the hide it or show it thing. Mm -hmm. Hide it. Just Mm -hmm. let the light be. But how do you, if you have no two buildings are the same, you have one detail that you need to mock up to put a linear or a downline Mm -hmm. or something like that in, super, super complicated. Okay, what's readily available? What's affordable, right? Right. Uh, Who reps it? Can I get a price? Can we, you know, do custom mount? Oh my God, it all takes eight weeks. It's 4X the cost. This is an issue. I feel like 3D printing, additive manufacturing can start to solve some of those incremental problems right there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's what's been very interesting of speaking with the design folks across the company and helping them understand how differently they can design products. So what's been exciting is to share with the design teams across Acuity the potential you have with additive manufacturing. Most of them hadn't been thinking about it before. And so what I'm really excited about is now that they're starting to see it and start to work with it, they're starting to see and understand the opportunities and what's possible. So exactly where this goes, I don't know for sure, but I know that that imagination has been sparked. I'm really excited to see what some of the folks come up with. And you're talking about the designers and the manufacturers. Right. Yeah, all the folks yeah. who I mean, were responsible for new products at Acuity. And what's cool is there's a whole bunch of designers there, but then there's a whole bunch of practicing designers in terms of engineers, electrical engineers, mm-hmm. mechanical engineers, architects, lighting designers, interior designers that all have these super creative minds when it comes to looking at 2D plans or most of the time a Revit model today, right? Mm-hmm. There's going to be, I think, this really cool opportunity for both lighting manufacturers and designers to come together and unite and, and almost have a dialogue or a conversation that's never been had before because they have the freedom to maybe more seamlessly create ideas together as mm-hmm. opposed to, I don't even know what the right term is because I've never been in manufacturing, but there's probably a 10-step commercialization process that is something like, how much does it cost to get thousand yards of steel to make that? Mm-hmm. And can we afford to do that versus, like you said, the threshold comes down, we can do more faster. So it's not necessarily completely new products. Maybe Mm -hmm. it is, maybe it isn't on the architectural side, but it's almost taking sustaining innovation where you make a slot light better, you make Mm -hmm. a trougher better and actually solving problems for the first time. That's right. It can be, it can make that sustaining innovation go faster. And when things go faster, we're all happier because as an industry, we progress, (laughs) we progress, we make leaps and bounds as opposed to maybe just limping along. Mm -hmm. LED technology has been around for 20 years. It's been commercially viable for 10. Mm-hmm. It's kind of new, but it's kind of not anymore. So we've got to take our tried and true light source, the LED, which, you know, we don't talk about LED lights anymore. We just talk about lights because everything's LED. And we get to kind of finally do, I think, what people are excited to do, which is turn our attention back to those form factors. Mm-hmm. You're at Acuity. You're the VP of commercialization and innovation and technology and every 
and everything else that's involved with it. What are you guys doing that you can talk about, that you can share with us, that you think is going to open up these doors in a real way? So part of where I thought we would be able to go is that this idea of scaling innovation, I think, is a very big thing that Acuity can do and that what we're doing, yeah. right? But we're not far enough along in that journey because what happened was is that it really came to the innovation related to UV technology, right? And one of the things that you know was so interesting to me about the discussion we had last time was this idea of what does it take to innovate? And so part of when, when it was just myself and two, three other people who were doing the innovations, we're able to move very quickly. But the same principles applied then you know, with the small companies that does a big company, which is that to innovate, you really need to have that problem you're trying to solve and be very passionate about it and be very persistent and have optimism that it's going to happen. And so what I've seen with UV disinfection technology has been pretty amazing is that even though rather than three or four people, I'm dealing with hundreds, literally, but 50 to dozens of people on a daily basis to make this innovation of UV technology work, the same principles applied, which were so powerful, which is that we got everybody to believe and very excited about what you can do with this technology. And the problems are tough, really tough that you have to solve and what you have to learn. And it's some things you can apply, some things are very different. But it's been amazing to see that same sort of team energy be generated that we had at Interplay Lighting get generated at a company as big as Acuity is so that literally so many people are lined up and figuring out how to solve these problems. But what's cool is that the core of it, which is solving a problem that you really cared about and getting the people excited about it and passionate about it, once you do that, man, you can do a lot. You said it's really exciting. Mm -hmm. You said it's incredible to watch what people can do once they get behind something mm -hmm. and, and get motivated. You're talking about UV technology. Mm -hmm. You're talking about Acuity Brands Lighting. It's a hundred-year-old conglomerate set mm -hmm. of companies. These are people that have been putting visible light in space for the history of the company. Right. And out of nowhere, they're doing everything they can to put, quote, invisible light. Mm -hmm. Some of it is allegedly harmful to humans, so you've got to protect them from it. That's right. Some of it is safe for humans, so you've got to figure out, well, how do you deploy this in a way that looks good? feels good and is also something that people won't be afraid of because right. they can't, there's a lot of mixed messages out there right now. Mm -hmm. This is something that is interesting that what happened is that pre-pandemic, there's a small group of people within Acuity who were very passionate about this. Yeah. And so we're already working through this. And so it, what ended up happening is that that core group, once the pandemic hit and we clearly made it a much bigger priority, they kind of became the nucleus, which everything else was built around. And they're the ones who had done the work to really deeply understand UV technology and what, make the, what makes and made the most sense. What's the research that has been done in the past? What are new technologies that are out there? And that's when they started coming forward with the recommendations for what they felt you know, we needed to do, specifically around that filter 222 nanometer technology. In our first part podcast, we talked a lot about the team. We talked a lot about the core of the group. You've kind of brought it back full circle here. Mm -hmm. In our part three of a, a three-part series mm -hmm, now, that's right. how does that startup culture, that startup life, that excitement, that nucleus of what you did at Interplay, looking at a new technology to innovate the lighting industry, apply to UV technology today? Yeah, so it's... 
Innovation and creating new products is all about the team. And whether it's a handful of people or dozens or hundreds of people, to really be effective and powerful, you've got to have that excitement and that drive behind it. And, and that core group of people who are really pushing the vision and driving you through those tough times. Because I can tell you right now, developing UV disinfection products is much more difficult than lighting products because of all the additional safety things that you need to concern about and that it is, yeah, it's a fundamentally different technology. And so we have had to break through many, many obstacles as we've developed these products. And that happens at a startup too. It does. It does. And it happens with lighting products, but I think the lighting problems that you're going to run into are more known. There are a lot more new unknowns with UV disinfection. And part of that has been going through and helping certification bodies understand the technology so that they can actually create, say, UL, what is the appropriate standard for this technology? Because you know you're innovating when you go to UL and they're like, we don't really have a standard to judge this by or to certify this by. And so then that starts a whole new process. And just so we're clear, UV technology is science-based and that's proven, but Mm -hmm. it's integrating it into light fixtures is the unknown that you speak to. That's part of it. And the controls that are required, for instance, if it's something that's like a 254 technology or a pulse xenon, but if it's, but what's really different is this idea of being able to disinfect while people are present and still meet safety guidelines. Mm -hmm. That's been where the That's been since that is so new. And of course, if people are going to be in a space, you want to make sure and certification bodies want to make sure that you're doing the right things and that you're not going to do anything that's going to hurt people. That just makes the development that much more intense. And you need to be extremely disciplined with your and conservative with your engineering approach. There's a lot that we've talked about here today. We've talked about Predicting the future, which we tried to do a year ago. It didn't happen. (laughs) Nobody could have predicted it, but holy smokes, right? Mm -hmm. We've talked about what it means to innovate. We've talked about what it means to scale, whether or not you're a four-person company or a 4,000-person company, whether or not you're trying to generate $4,000 of sales or or $400 million worth of sales. When you look at that nucleus, that core group of people, when you look at the consistency across every company, across any innovation and any opportunity to scale. What are you and your team at Acuity doing today to promote and foster the idea of innovation and scaling it to meet the needs of the community? It all comes back to the why you're doing it, whether it's the problem you're trying to solve or in the case of UB technology, the social good you're trying to help with. You have to always come back to the why and why are you doing this? What problem are you solving? What customer's life are you going to make easier? And that's really, I mean, any product innovation, it's really about that. It's about getting back to the person who ultimately is going to be living with whatever that product is, whether it's lighting or eyeglasses. It's just what is that person's need and, and really being hyper-focused and passionate on making sure that you're making their lives better in a way that's very meaningful. I know that you guys are working on a whole host of UV disinfection products. I've got to imagine it's exciting. What's next for you and your team? What's next is getting to where all these three technologies, the three primary technologies we have are going to be out there and available. And that's going to, we already have a 
PulseX technology, which can disinfect a space very rapidly when people aren't there. Onboard air disinfection, which is like a troffer that pulls in air and disinfects it and pushes it back out disinfected. But what's going to pull it all together is this 222 nanometer filter technology we partner with Ushio on. And that is we're right at the finish line of getting that certified. And once that's available, then that's when we're going to make a really big push related to UV technology in these three particular products. So our goal was to create the most modern portfolio of disinfection products so we could be the go-to place for folks who are looking to to have disinfection products and have multiple ways that they can do it. And, and that's just really, really something that I'm so excited about is that this impact, and I know I've mentioned it a few times, but it really is why I ultimately chose to to sell the company to Acuity is that the social good that we can have with these products is really amazing because we all want to get back to whatever our normal is. We want to go out to eat. We want to have our kids back in school. We want to go back to the office. We want to interact with people without masks on, hopefully. And we believe that these technologies are a big step in helping getting to that why. And that's that why that really is driving this team to do this amazing amount of work to get these products out. Gary, thanks so much for joining us today. This has been a great conversation. I hope that It gives people an opportunity to think a little bit more about innovation, scaling, and what startups and big conglomerates have in common. If anybody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way they can find you? You can feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, Just search Gary Trot and you'll find me. Or you can reach out to me at gary.trot at acuitybrands.com. Awesome. I'll drop you a line. I'll send you a, a LinkedIn DM. Gary, thanks again so much for being with us. Travel safe back to the warmer part of the country and we'll catch up with you soon. Sounds Good great. Luck. Thanks a lot, Sam. See you. Hey, it's Sam. Real quick. If you enjoyed this podcast, do me a favor. Head back to the platform that you listen to and click like or subscribe. That's the best way to never miss an episode of The Light Pod, where we interview people who are all things lighting, building technology, curious about the future, and honestly, just have fun stories to tell. Until then, see ya.